Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. JTP Church, what's going on? Where are them influencers? Let's go. God bless you. You may have a seat. If this is the first time joining us, it's such a privilege to have you here. We are few here, but we declared last week that the English service is going to surpass the Spanish service. So we got work to do, right? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be an amazing year. I'm thinking that God's going to just do some crazy stuff in our midst through us. I want to talk to you today a little bit about taking up your own cross. Tell the person next to you, Jesus called us to take up our cross. And I want to speak to the fathers and mothers here. Any fathers and mothers? All right, dads and moms. I don't know if this has ever happened to you guys where you are telling your son something and you're giving him instructions and then you follow with a question. You ask him, do you understand? And sometimes our son says, yes, but dad and mom, you know that they didn't get it. They are certain that they understood it, but you just know that they're just not ready to understand or they, they didn't understand the concept fully. Well, I think that sometimes the same thing could happen to us here in church with some passages that we read, with some of the scripture that we read and we say, oh yeah, 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 I get it. I get it, Jesus, I get it. But Jesus is probably up in his throne, sitting at the right hand of God saying, mm, they don't get it. And for that reason, I, I want to pray today because I think that God really wants to tell us and, and speak to us because we can't afford to use to lose a year. We can't afford to leave or, or let one month pass us by, not even a second of our time. Time is precious and God wants to use us in a powerful way. How many believe that? And we got to be positioned correctly and understand what God wants to do in this time that we're living. So it's interesting how sometimes in a service, two people can be sitting down in the same service, in the same church, listening to the same sermon, reading the same verse, but on one person, the grace of God just falls through and just a single verse transforms their entire life. And they say, man, I've been doing things wrong where I got to start doing what Jesus told me to do. Whereas the other person could be listening to the same verse, sitting in the same service, the same sermon and everything. And they just shake their head and say, I get it. I get it. But in reality, they don't. Because then you walk out the door, you go to the parking lot. You get in your car, you go have lunch, and life just goes on like if nothing ever happened. So what I want to do today to start off is I want to pray because my wish is that the grace of God would fall on every single person, not just in this building, but those also that are watching the streaming right now, and that the Holy Spirit will fall and his words would change us and transform us from the inside out. So how about we close our eyes right there where you are, and let's pray. Holy Spirit of God, Help us today understand the honor 
of being able to talk to you, of what it represents to be able to pray and for you to listen to us and, and to be in your presence. Help us understand what a privilege that is. I pray and I declare that you are a good God, that it's by your grace that we're even alive. Because if it wasn't because of your love, we wouldn't even exist. So help us read your words today and believe them as your words and trust in your promises. Have mercy on us. And we pray that you would speak to each and every one of us individually and specifically. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give it up for Jesus? All right, I know you know this, but because of, you know, we gave God special permission today to, for his grace to fall upon us, I just want to remind you that there are people in different places, in different nations, even in our own nation, even as close to your backyard, your neighborhood that have never heard about the good news of the gospel. They have never heard about Jesus and what Jesus came to do. Or they have a distorted view of what God is. So I want you to know this, and this may seem like a very uh, weighty sentence or declaration I'm gonna make, but it's biblical. I want you to understand that the purpose of your existence is to share the message of Jesus Christ. That's it. The only reason you are alive right now is to carry on the message of the gospel. And I want to go to Matthew chapter 16 and we're going to read some verses that maybe some of you guys already have known and have read for a long time. But I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us in a specific way. And he's going to have us, you know, see if we reconcile to what God is calling us to do. And I want, I want you to go with me to Matthew 16. We're going to read 24 through 26. And this is about Jesus. And he's telling his disciples. He says this. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Tell the person next to you, you got to give up your own way. Then he says, take up your cross and follow me. Now, we call ourselves Christians. What does Christian mean? What's a Christian? A Christian is a follower of Christ. So Jesus is saying this. If you guys want to follow me, if you guys call yourself Christians, if you guys say that, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to church. Well, this is, this is how you can tell somebody's a Christian or not. You need to give up your own way of life. You need to take up your cross. Crosses are uncomfortable. You guys remember when Jesus was carrying his cross? Okay, he needed help from somebody because he was, crosses are uncomfortable. But he says, you need to carry your cross and you need to follow me. And then verse 25 says, if you try to hang on to your life or do your life your own way, you will lose it. How many here want to lose their lives? Nobody, right? But it says that if you try to do things your way, you're going to end up losing it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for God's sake, for God's kingdom, you will save it. This is counterintuitive. This is, man, because nobody here wants to lose their life, but the way that I gain my life is when I surrender it and give it up to Jesus and say, your life in me, not what I want to do, but your life. And then in verse 26, it says, and what do you benefit? Because Jesus knows what, how we think. I mean, come on, he walked, in, he walked, he was on flesh, 
and blood, just like you and me. He had passions. He had things that he wanted to do. He experienced what the flesh would, you know, sometimes draw you to, to, to try and do things that God doesn't like. And he knows. He experienced temptation. He experienced a lot of things. And he knew what people were thinking. It's like, dude, but I mean, give up my life. But I have things that I have to, I have dreams to pursue. How many here have dreams to pursue, right? I have plans. I have stuff. Places to go. People to meet. Things to do. And then Jesus, knowing how people think, he says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? What if you make all the money in the world? You're a billionaire. You're a, the next Jeff Bezos. Fine, you did that. But then you lose your soul? What good does it do? And then he says, is anything worth more than your soul? Why? Because your soul is what's going to live eternally. Whereas anything you could accomplish here on earth you're going to enjoy for a few years but God says look if you're smart you're going to think about eternity and this is what Jesus is trying to teach us today about losing our lives so that we can gain it so understand this church I don't know if you get what we just finished reading Jesus said these words himself in person so the question is whether we understand and believe it to be true he says if somebody wants to follow me you must. That's a strong word. It doesn't say you have the option or I encourage you, my people. No, no. If you want to be a follower of mine, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. And then he says, if somebody tries to save or protect his life here on earth, I promise you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my cause, you will save it. So these are profound statements that, man, they demand our attention. Why? Because it says that our soul is at stake. Eternity is at stake. So my question to you is, do, do you really believe, do I really believe that if I try to save my life, I will lose it? Do I really believe that if I surrender or, or lose my life so that God's life could be prevalent in me, for his sake, will I save it? And I was, uh, this week I was reading a little bit about one of my favorite pastors that I like to, that I admire, uh, Francis Chan. He's, he's awesome. And he's a pastor, he was a pastor in California. And February of last year, right before the pandemic, he just decided to leave his church, leave his house, leave everything and travel to China to follow what God wanted to do in his life. And I was looking at his last message to his church and how he was like, you know, he was ready. And he was saying, listen, I, I'm 52 years old. The older I get, and by human nature, you do want to hold on to things. You want to, you want to save because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You become more, you know, thoughtful of the future. And, and, and now what I'm doing, I'm, I'm terrified, but I'm following God's will. And he started uh, saying, he's a successful author as well. And he started speaking speaking about what led him to such a radical decision. And he started explaining that in San Francisco, where he lives, where he had his mega church, uh, there's a lot of foodies. How many here are foodies? We got some in Miami's too, right? Foodies. Uh, and he started saying that because there's such a wide variety of different kinds of food, people in San Francisco, they're kind of snobby with respect to the food. And a lot of the conversations that goes on is about, you know, where's the best sushi? Where, you know, where's the best Italian restaurant? And a lot of people talk about good, good food, gourmet food. 
So he, he started saying that even him and his wife fell into that way of life. And he started having conversations with his wife, like saying, come on, how can you say Panda Express is real Chinese food? I mean, come on, it's not authentic. And, and then he started saying about food, uh, which restaurant is the best, who makes the best Italian food. And then he went to Africa. He had an experience that really changed his life. Um, he's been to Africa a few times, he explained. But he says this time that he went, they took his team to a place where there was a fields of people, a whole field, and you could see people till, till your, where your eyes would let you see. I mean, just thousands and thousands of people. And as they were approaching this crowd, he heard this incredible scream like he's never heard a scream before. Just a woman started screaming and wailing and just, and he approached her to see what was going on. And as he approached her, he saw that at her feet on the floor lied a young boy, lifeless. Her son had passed away. And when he looked at his son, he was like, how, how is it possible that this person minutes ago was alive because he was just skin and bones. It was, it was a, a young boy that obviously he had no food. So automatically, Francis says that he started processing and saying, what, what if I would have worked harder? What if I would have done something and, and gotten here yesterday? Maybe have had fed this young boy and maybe this wouldn't have happened. And automatically, they got together with their team. And right there on site, uh, they were processing all this. So they were saying, look, how much is it going to take to feed? How many people are there here? And they started running numbers. And, well, you know, it will take probably 12 cents a, a, a day. And how, how long can we keep them alive if we invest so much? And, and, and he, started, he started saying that. So after seeing this experience, he said, going back to San Francisco, it was hard to go back to being a foodie and just being so snobby with your food when people in other places... Even in our nation, sometimes it's just, man, just give me food because I need to eat. And I'm not here to talk to you about food. As a matter of fact, um, you know, we're all believers here. I, I want to I talk to you because sometimes as believers in Jesus Christ, we can, be, we can become spiritual foodies. And I'll explain what that is, where we, we consume another chat, another sermon. We come in here and we listen to a preaching and, and, and we're spoiled. And we say, well, I know, you know what? I didn't like pastors preaching from this week. I like last week's better. Or you know what? No, I like so-and-so's podcast that I listened to this week. Or, or the preacher that I saw on YouTube. And, and we don't realize that we, we just consume, consume, consume. We're not, we're not being transformed. And we can hear sermon after sermon. And we can hear what this guy says and what the other guy says. And meanwhile, there are people who don't even know that there's somebody that created them. There's people that don't even know that, that they're here with a purpose. And that, and that there's somebody that loves them. And that they can get out of their misery because there's somebody that's for them. And... I could just stand up here and say, well, let me, you know, give a more creative message. You know, let me, let me keep up with the Joneses, you know, of, of the church world, right? And let me, let me just be more creative to capture people's intentions. And I, I don't have a problem with that. But I'm not here to impress anybody. I'm not here so people can say, oh, PJ, he's so, right? He's so knowledgeable in the world, in the word. When there are some people that haven't even heard the name of Jesus, I mean, 
Not even that there's somebody that's for them. And there are places around the world that any of us, any of you guys, will be considered theologians because they don't even have Bibles. They, don't, they just haven't heard. So the question today is, am I willing to lay down my life for the cause of Christ in order to save it? It's challenging. Am I willing? Because you could be willing or you can be not, not be willing. But am I willing today, sitting here, to, be, to relinquish my life and what I want to do? It doesn't mean you're, just, you're not going to go to work tomorrow. It, it doesn't mean that. It, it means that you're going to seek God because you want to reconcile your life to what he wants you to do and not to what your selfish desires want to do. So this is one of those other verses in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. And I pray that you get it today. I pray that really in the spirit that God will speak to you and you would understand this fully. Uh, but in Acts 20, 24, Apostle Paul says this. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work, and then he goes on to speak about what is the work that got assigned to him. It's the same work that he assigned to you and me. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So check out what Apostle Paul is saying. Listen, and I hope you get this today. Paul says, I don't consider my life to be of any value. Zero. You see me living, you see me breathing, my family, I have a wife, a children, platform, my career, zero value. All that stuff, zero value. And let's stop there because that's confronting. Because I'm sure you say, well, pastor, my family is valuable to me. Yeah, I agree. It's valuable to me. But the thing that it, in comparison to what God called you, it can't even be close. Like, like if you do a graph, you guys know what a bar graph is, right? Bar graph? Family, self, dreams. It's important. One. Calling of God, a million. Can't be compared, right? Yeah, it is important. But Paul's saying, look, all those things, zero value. I mean, this, is, this is profound. But this is what God is calling us for in this time. Zero value. The only thing that is precious to me is that I have received a mission to transmit this message of the gospel of grace. That's the only thing I'm important. And I know Paul wasn't married. So, you know, that probably had something to do with it. But even if it was, I mean, what God called us to do is the thing of utmost value or should be the thing of utmost value to us. It should be the, the first thing we pray about when we start our morning. God, help me accomplish your calling for my life. Let me be connected to your will. How, how can I bless somebody? How can I do something for somebody else? That should be what we ask about. So I'm asking you, do you believe this? Is this the word of God? I'm not bringing up some weird stuff, you know, from some weird book. This is the word of God. It's the one you're holding. It's the one you read. Let me continue. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. And Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and he says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. How many of you guys believe that there are difficult times that we're living now? Whether you know it or not, these are the last days, all right, that he was referring. We're living 
the end of times, and, and I'll prove it to you because of what comes next. He says, for people will love only themselves and their money. Does that sound like today? Mm-hmm. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. That's like watching the news today. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride. I'm all that. <laughs> and love pleasure. Listen, that's a big one. Love pleasure rather than God. How many times, even us that we know, have we opted for pleasure rather than God? How many times did we have plans to pray? God, I just want to be alone with you for a second. A friend calls up and we say, God, I'll put you on timeout. I'm going to go out with my friends. There'll be time to pray later. And, 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 and sometimes in the way we act and the way we lead our lives, we're lovers of pleasure more than God. Verse 5 says, they will act religious. Listen to me. Right? They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. This is a power that God granted us, the power of the Holy Spirit, that can make us godly and to please God. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. And then he says, stay away from people like that. When he's talking and writing this to Timothy, he's telling him, look, stay away from people like this. And, and the most incredible thing is that he's not talking about the world. Listen. Because sometimes we say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of out in the streets. You know, before we used to say the world. You know, in the world, people are like this. But wait, he's... This is Paul writing to Timothy about the church. That in the end times, the last days that we're living right now, this was going to be inside the church. Is anybody hearing me today? In, inside the church. So he's not making reference to what would happen in the world. And, but in here, in the last day, in the last days, the world was going to be a difficult place. Yeah, we're there. And in the church, people were going to be lovers of themselves. I love, I love myself. And this is a spirit, even inside the church, that, you know, you're, you're just, and sometimes we don't even realize it. That it's just me, me, me. People are going to come to church just thinking of themselves. And, you know, 50 years ago, not even 40, maybe even 30 years ago, before you had the iPhone, you had Literally, you had to take pictures with something we call a camera, all right? And then you had to grab the little film, right? And then you had to take it to a place and wait like two or three days for them to develop and even see how the picture that you threw came out, right? Imagine that. So 30 years ago, 20 years ago, before we had the phone, you know, you would, you would take pictures, and if you would take all the pictures, and I remember the roles were sometimes 24 exposures, 36 exposures, right? Let's say you took all 36 pictures of yourself. You know, I'm traveling the world, taking pictures of myself, right? We would call that narcissist back then. Today, we call it Facebook. We call it Instagram because it's my profile. And what else am I going to take a picture of? It's, it's my profile. I'm going to take a picture of myself. I'm with this guy. I'm eating this food. I'm doing this. I'm I, 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 I. So the Bible tells us that this mindset 
was going to infiltrate the church. It was going to come inside the church as well. And that people, verse 2 says, will love only themselves and their money. Inside the church, they were going to love themselves and their money. Don't touch my money. I don't, you know, a church is pretty cool. But when they start talking about the offering, I mean, ah, Daniela's a cool girl. But, oh, man, I mean, just turn me off when she started talking about money. <laughs> right? And we, why? Because lovers of themselves and money. So this is the selfie generation. So when God says that, do you really understand what he's trying to say? That in these times that we're living, there's, there's like a flow, there's like a current of you, you know, making it all about yourself and how I feel, what I think, and, and not about the kingdom of God. So it's normal today, or it's normal today to come to church just thinking about yourself. Think about it. So let's see, where am I going to sit today? All of you guys came into church, walked in the main door. Where am I going to sit today? Or who can I sit next to? Who can I sit with? I hope they sing the song that I like. Or I hope the preacher has a specific word for me. For me. And there's a chance that you probably arrived today on selfie mode. Just looking at yourself. And it's normal today to come to church. That's what makes it even harder because it's, it's like the norm now, unfortunately, to come to church on selfie mode. And no matter what I do, nothing is enough. I, I can't please. Because, you know, maybe my sermon you didn't like. You didn't like what I'm preaching. Maybe some of you guys are going to leave today and say, oh, man, you know what? Wasn't anointed. Nope. Like last, last week's message better. Or I like Pastor Jonathan from 2020. <laughs> I think I'm just going to, instead of coming to church, I'm just going to listen to the old podcasts. You know, and, and, and I can't please everybody, and, and I'm not enough, and I give up. So be careful what passage. I got to be careful with what passage I read from the Bible because I have to consider, you know, how does this passage make them feel? But that's not what God called me to do. God called me to preach the Bible, the truth. Some may like it, some may don't, but I don't, I don't make this up. It's, it's what God says that it's the best for you. So if you adopt it and you say, God, you know what? I'm going to lay down my life because I, I realize that from listening to this, your word has opened my eyes today that maybe I have been, you know, gone with the flow of what the church today is, you know, about just making it about me. When you and your word say that it's not about me. I think that the best thing that our leaders here at JTP and myself can do for this church is, you know, there's a small button in your phone that if you turn it off, the selfie mode is off. And you, you're not able to see yourself anymore. Maybe the best thing we can do is just get off selfie mode today. Because God wants you to understand that the secret of living a successful life, a blessed life, the way, the only way you can experience the joy of Christ is by exiting selfie mode so that you can see someone that is more beautiful than you. And I want to share with you this because I know it's counterintuitive, but the best thing you can do is to get over yourself. Mm -hmm. Maybe the message that God wants to give you today and the reason why God brought you to JTP Church or that you're connected to the streaming it's so that you know that, that the best thing you could do today, your next step is to get over yourself. And I want to share with you Psalm 27, 4. Look, the psalmist wrote this. 
And I want you to, I want you to understand and be able to see through the words and see his expression and, and what, what's coming out from his heart. He says, one thing. Everybody say one thing. Oh, when somebody says one thing, it's like this is the maximum, right? This is, he says, one thing I have desired of the Lord. A brand new house. A mansion on South Beach. Doesn't say that, right? It says, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Look at it. what's the one thing that David counted as the greatest thing, that he may dwell, that he may be in the house of the Lord every single day of his life. And then for what? Well, not to see what shoes my neighbor brought, not to mingle with my friends. Nothing's wrong with that. You guys can chat afterwards. But what I'm trying to get at is this, to behold the beauty of the Lord, not to look at me, but to look at him, to behold, to look at the beauty of the Lord. I don't know if that's the way you come to church. I don't know if that's the way you came to church today, to behold, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get to church because I just want to worship him. I want to behold the beauty. He's been so good. He's been so amazing. I'm going to go to church for that. And I'm going to live every single day of my life pursuing this one thing that is beholding his beauty every single day in the house of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So this is something that we've lost in this generation. We think that we have to be in the center of it all. And it's all about me, me, me. And then we wonder why we're so empty inside. So I want to start wrapping this up. How many of you guys remember in the Lord's Prayer, in the Lord's Prayer there was a line in the Lord's Prayer that says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Javi. Somebody knows the Lord's Prayer. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like he's saying the same thing that happens in heaven. Let it happen on earth. Let it happen in my life. Let it happen in my house. But do you even know what happens in heaven? Let me give you a glimpse. Revelation chapter 5. Check this out. Revelation chapter 5 verse 11. This is what happens in heaven. John is writing and he says, God took him up to heaven to get a glimpse of what it It's like up there. And he says, then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the altars. And they sang a mighty chorus. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Didn't we just sing that, right? We sang it in the Spanish service, right? That's what they were singing. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches And wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They sang the same thing. Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the lamb. Now, let me ask you a question. Based on what we just finished reading, what is happening in heaven here? What is happening? Are people taking selfies with Jesus? Oh, I want everybody to know that I'm with the man. I'm with king of kings right here, right? Are they taking selfies with Jesus? Are they saying, oh, I, I was with them? No, everybody is looking at him. There's not going to be any mirrors in heaven. Sorry to disappoint you. You're going to be good looking. Don't worry about that. You don't need it. 
but everybody's eyes are going to be fixed on Jesus. It's going to be fixed on him. He's the reason of our existence. He's the reason why we come to church. He's the reason why we're even here and alive. It says, everyone was looking at him in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and in the sea, wanting to approach the lamb to say, worthy are you. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. So why would I want a mirror in heaven? The last thing I want to see is me. I want to see him. I want to see Jesus. I want to contemplate, behold his beauty, like the psalmist wrote. And that is what we teach here in this church. That is what my Bible teaches me. And that's the ultimate thing. That's the one thing, like the psalmist says, that I desire. So I'm going to give a little disclaimer that the next declaration might offend a few people or might be a little bit strong to stomach. But I'm here to say it from a platform of love. There's no condemnation in this because I love you and more importantly, God loves you more than anything. But God's called me here to preach the truth. So listen to this. If you don't see yourself doing what we just read right now in Revelations on earth, what makes you think that you'll get to heaven to do it? If it's just weird to you, just beholding God, if it's just weird to worship God in that way and say, oh, all the glory and all the power, it's not about me. If that's weird to you, well, that's, that's what's going to happen in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, our time here on earth is, is to cultivate that, is to draw God's presence or us drawing closer to his presence so that we understand the beauty of God and how amazing he is and to be able to deny ourselves, take up our cross so that others can know about Jesus, about this Savior that forgave all our sins, that gave us eternal life, that loved us, that when we're sick, we have the power to get healed in the name of Jesus, that no matter what addiction you can be going through, there's possibility through Jesus to be set free supernaturally of any addiction. This is the God that we serve. So it may be that we're in selfie mode, but today, I think God has spoken. I'm just a messenger, but I think that through what we've shared today, God has revealed his heart to many. And perhaps it's not as easy as just you know, pressing a button and getting off airplane mode or selfie mode, as we call it today. Maybe it's not that easy, but... I, I guarantee you that if you humble yourself today before God and ask the Holy Spirit to change your focus and say, God, maybe instead of looking inside us, let's start looking more at Him. Instead of looking and coming to church to look for what we are going to receive, how about we start before we come to church praying, saying, God, give me a word for somebody in church that's going through a difficult situation. Let me be a blessing of somebody in church and not just in church. Before you go to work, God, you know, the Bible says that God has given us spiritual gifts to every single person, at least one. Every single one of you has a spiritual gift. Maybe you haven't found it yet, but the Bible says that God has given us spiritual gifts. And if you ask for them, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says that, that if you ask for them, God will grant them to you. So how about you start your day off saying, God, let, let me into what people that I know in my job or where I go to school, where I study, where I, where I live, 
Let me know what they're going through supernaturally and give me a word for them. Or without letting me know what they're going through, but give me a, a precise word because you know God. And if you start living life and walking, thinking and always looking at others and wanting to magnify God, that, that's what the kingdom's about. That's what the kingdom's about. So as we talk or as we walk out of those doors today, be great that all of us will be able to say this that's found in Galatians 2.20. Apostle Paul wrote this once and he said, my old self, Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. How many of you guys have read that verse? Come on, for those that have been in church for a while, this is a popular verse. What does that really mean? Do we get it? Or are we like that kid that said, yeah, yeah, I get it, dad, I get it. Dad. I don't really get it does that mean my old self my person the person my desires my my will my what I want to do what pleases me crucified I'm on that cross meaning it's dying that's it he says my old self has been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me it's no longer me it's long it's not even what I want that means that everything that I feel an impulse to do, I'm going to run it by God and say, God, is this your will? You want me to do this or is this a distraction? Is this what you want me to do in this season of time? Is this the person that you want me to be hanging out with? Are these the kind of friends that you want me to be with? Is this the job that you want me to take? Is this, is this what you want me to do? Is this the area that you want me to serve in? Is this the person that I'm going to marry and spend the rest of my life? Just, because when you relinquish and you crucify yourself, now you belong to Christ and you just want to do his will. He says, so I live in this earthly body. Because yeah, we're not angels. We still live in this earthly body. But by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I want to finish off before I pray. Asking you this. What would become of this church, JTP Church, if when we walk through the doors, we walked in looking at him? What kind of a church would we be if every time we walk in through those doors, we're looking at others on how we can bless others, how we can help others. How, God, I just come here to worship you. And my question for you today as we finish up is, will you take up your cross today and lay your selfie life down? Will you do you understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to us today? I'm going to ask you guys to stand up. And it may seem that it's cruel. <laughs> Man, God doesn't want me to think about me. Who's going to take care of me? I'm the only one that takes care of me. And maybe there's people here that you've had it rough. That people that were supposed to be there for you weren't. And you've had to fend off for yourself. And you are today what life circumstances made you. And you've had to struggle. And you've had to, maybe you grew up without parents. And you had to, you know. But God knows your story. But when God tells you, lay down your life. So that it could be Him living through you. It's not for your loss. You should never think that way. It's for your gain. 
The Bible says in Matthew 6.33 that seek first the kingdom of God. You see, if I put the kingdom, remember the bar graph? If the kingdom of God is my purpose, what God called me to do, if that's first in my life, then I don't even have to worry about what I'm going to eat, where I'm going to live. I don't have to worry about provision because God is going to provide for me supernaturally. And he proved it. He said, look, look at the birds. You see the birds freaking out to see what they're going to eat tomorrow? No, they get up, they sing, and they know that God somehow will provide a worm. And look at the lilies of the field that, you know, they're beautiful today and the day of tomorrow they get cut off. That's it. They dry up and they last days. That's it. But not even Solomon with all his splendor was dressed like I dressed those lilies. So God's saying, look, listen, if I take so much detail in making sure that a lily is beautiful, that a flower is beautiful, that a bird is taking care, how much more do you think that I am not going to take care of you, my maximum creation? You see, it's not God's fault. It's sometimes us. It's sometimes, you know, our incredulidad, you know, our unbelief. We say, no, God, I mean, freaking out. Oh my gosh, how am I going to do? And God says, lay down your life. Turn over your anxiety, right? The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. Turn over your anxiety. What are you worried about today? Surrender your life completely. Crucify your life, your plans, your, and, and live out God's plans and God's dreams. And man, God's dreams, your dreams will never even come close to everything that God has. And as we finish today and pray, my only desire is that today, what God has tried to speak to you, you would receive it in your heart. And you won't be like that kid that's like, yeah, dad, I get it. I get it. I shouldn't do that. I know it. I know. Mm -mm, you don't get it. You still don't get it. You still don't get it. And I pray that every single one here, that the grace of God will fall in our lives so that we'd understand that this is a year of influence, a year of selfless abandon, reckless abandon in favor of God's will, in favor of God's will. And at the end of the year, I challenge you, at the end of the year, if you make that decision, you're going to be telling of crazy things that have happened in the year. No matter how crazy of a year we will have, you're going to say, man, I've seen God. I've experienced him like never before. God supplied me God's provided for me. He's protected me. He's, it's just amazing. I don't know why I haven't lived like this before. I don't know why I haven't opted for this earlier. But it's never too late. This is what the Holy Spirit is extending to you. So I want everybody to close their eyes. And if you feel that God spoke to you one way or another, and you feel that Holy Spirit made you understand that the grace of God has fallen over your life today and you really get it now and you say yeah it's just about dying to myself and, and taking up my cross and thinking about him and you're willing to show God that you're you know you're ready that you get it this time show him by raising your hand right there we are everybody with their eyes closed this is just between you and God you feel God ministered to you or spoke to you and you get it and you're ready to make that commitment and say, God, I'm here. I want your life in me. I don't want to live for me. I want to live for you. Raise your hand. And I'm going to pray for the hands that are lifted up. Father God, I thank you for every single person here that's, you know, out of the humility of their heart, they're recognizing that maybe, you know, they're not living life According to what your word says, maybe today was a reality check, God. 
And maybe we've fallen into this, into this current, God, of what people do. And, and this is the world we live in. It's easy to get caught up in and think about ourselves. We're in, this is the selfie generation, God. And, and it's a, all we see around us is people thinking about themselves and their money and their this. And, and they disrespect others, God. And this is what we're living with. But God, today we saw by your word that that's not your purpose for your church. Your, your, the purpose for your church is to always look at you and then look how to bless others. Because in giving, in worshiping, in surrendering, there's greatness, there's joy, there's growth. And I thank you, God, because as we are transformed today from a selfish heart, from a heart that's only focused inwardly, God, I pray that like only your Holy Spirit can do, we are transformed today. And starting right now, we're gonna be living examples of your grace. And every time we walk in through those doors, every chance we get to start our morning, God, the first thing that's going to be in our mind is worship you and behold your beauty and behold who you are in your grace and, and how wonderful you've been and, and how you've laid your life down so that we could have life. And now we get to lay our lives down so that other people can know you, God. And, and I thank you for that privilege, God. I thank you for what you're doing in people's lives. And I declare, God, that this, this, this is the gospel and this is what's going to make us be fruitful for your kingdom. I thank you, God. And I declare grace and power and strength and all the things that your Holy Spirit grants us, God, when we decide to walk a life that's in agreement with what you have requested. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do in our lives and what you've already done. Amen and amen. Before I turn it over to Leslie, there she is, um, I want to do one last invitation that we always do here at JTP Church. And if there's anybody here that's for the, that came for the first time, or maybe it's your second, third, fourth, 20th, or 50th, I don't know, but you've never opened your heart to let Jesus in, the Bible says that salvation, or as other people call it, eternal life, you know, after you pass away from this earth, what's going to happen to me? Well, the Bible teaches there's a heaven, but there's a hell. And nothing that you can do can win you a ticket to heaven. Nothing. You can't buy your way over there. You can be the best person and help as many people. You can. There's no way. There's no human way. But there is one way. And it's through Jesus. That's why Jesus is so important. And that's why we preach and we love Jesus. Because it's through his sacrifice on the cross that he took our sins so that we could have access to eternal life and forgiveness of sins. So this is through an invitation and I want to extend that invitation to you. So if you want to let Jesus into your heart today and have everlasting life and have your sins covered by, the, by his blood that he shed 2,000 years ago, just say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, on this day, I repent of my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner. I've messed up in life. But I pray that that blood that you shed on Calvary will cleanse me of all sins and give me everlasting life. God, I promise to live in agreement to your word. And I'm ready to start this new stage in life, wanting to follow only you. Thank you, God, for the eternal gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, JCP Church, help me put your hands together as we celebrate 
all the people that just finished doing that prayer. Amen. That was so good. Thank you, PJ. How many guys are ready to take up your cross? Yes.